Um, scripture reading is, uh, is, is two scriptures again. Uh, the first one is from Genesis on page 17. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, and that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go away or, but will go to my country, to my kindred, and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, who spoke to me and swore to me, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife from my son there. But if the woman is not willing to follow, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Um, our second one is Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, and that's on 1008. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had, that, had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them for a city. The word of God for the people of God. Just asking Brian to go ahead and preach for me. but So it's always good to kind of zoom back out, remember the theme of whatever uh, book we're looking out to help us understand um, the passage we're in. So you'll remember uh, the, the big point of Hebrews is don't turn back. Jesus is um, he's better than what you've known in the past, and they were tempted to return either to the law or to pagan worship that they were part of and everyone around them is, is part of. And this temptation was to fall away from um, being part of God's community and to return from where they were. So we've, we've seen how God has said, how Jesus is, is superior to everything else in the old covenant. He's the fulfillment of it. And then we're, we're now looking at lived examples of um, faith that is looking towards the future, a faith that is the substance of things hoped for, not just believing something happened in the past, but that it has an impact on the future that we're longing for, that we're, uh, we're, we're hoping for. And we have this, um, this passage 
that talks about um, those who died in the faith, not receiving the promise, but seeing it. In other words, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, the, the, and those who came before them, they, they were hearing the promise. They were receiving parts of the promise. And Abraham leaves and he goes in, but he, in a sense, doesn't receive the fullness of the land which God has promised. He, he gets a glimpse of the generations to come, but he doesn't see the, the fullness of that generation. And so... Um, we, we see that they, they've seen a glimpse of what they're getting, yet they died without it being fulfilled. They, they've died without receiving the fullness of it. Um, and so that now there are people who are living in this world as strangers and exiles, recognizing that this world is not their home. Just as Abraham was living in this land that he's going to receive, but at the time it's, it's still just something that's promised to him and something not fully received. And what I especially want us to take note of is that they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, um, that they had been thinking of the land that they had gone out of, if that was where their hope was, verse 15, if they had been thinking of the land that they had gone out of, they would have opportunity returned. That is, there was the temptation for them to return back to the land where Abraham came from. There was the opportunity and, and the temptation to um, abandon this and go back to where he was from, to go back to Ur of the Chaldeans and, and be among his people. But he didn't. His hope was in what God was giving him in the land of Israel. There's a couple of passages in Genesis that kind of shine light on this, and I think is in the mind of the author of Hebrews. Uh, the first is in the chapter before this portion was read um, from Genesis. It's Genesis chapter 23. And in that passage, if you've read it, it kind of stands out because most of the chapter is um, Abraham bargaining for a burial plot for his wife, Sarah, after she dies. Um, most of it is is this negotiation and winding up with Abraham paying an exorbitant amount uh, in order to purchase land for his wife to be buried in. And it can be very easy for us to say, you know, what, what is, what's the deal here? What is that? Well, let me, let me kind of think about this. Have, have y'all ever known someone who's moved out of state but their whole family is buried at a certain cemetery. And so that's where the burial is going to take place. Somebody moves off to um, New Mexico. They come back to some remote um, cemetery in Tipton County because that's where their kinfolk are, right? That's where home is. Is this just an Alabama thing? Do y'all do that? All right, so I, I think we wind up with that at Mount Carmel on occasion, that you, you go back to where home is. And so Sarah dies, and that's confronting Abraham. Do I go back to what I've known? Do we bury her where our fathers and our grandfathers? Do we go back to the old home place? Do we go back home? And what Abraham says is, no, this is my home now. 
this is my new future. I've turned my back on that land that's no longer where I am. I'm looking at my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, and when they come visit Mima's grave, it's going to be in our home because if we're going to receive the promise, this is now where we are. We're not going back. We're here. This is where our future is. So much so that he spends a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money in order to buy this land. And that land is the initial gift of the land that is going to be the land that God's promises the people. The portion that we read from chapter 24 in Genesis, Isaac needs a wife. And the custom at that time was you, you within your extended family, you, you find your kinfolk. David, you can keep the Alabama jokes to yourself today. So you, you're going to find your you know, kinfolk. And so he's there saying, he pulls his servant aside, the one who's kind of managing the household. He says, it's time for her to, him to marry. He doesn't need to marry among the Canaanites. We don't need to make connections with um, those who worship false gods and, and, and this people. We don't need to be intertwined with them. We are going to go back to my people. But here's the thing. You don't take Isaac. Even if they say you need to bring in Isaac, you don't take Isaac. Isaac isn't going back there. Isaac is staying here. And what's he saying? Is it just, you know, he doesn't like to travel? No, it, it's the same as the grave. It's we're not going back there. God has made a promise. God is giving us this place. This is where our future is. This is what our hope is. And my child and grandchildren are not going back to that place. They are staying here because our future is here. This is our home. And so both of those passages are showing us the hope that he has. They have the opportunity to, to return and to go back. <laughs> Wouldn't it be easier? Wouldn't it be easier to go back to people who, who talk like you, who act like you, have the same culture as you, than to say, this is what God is giving me. I'm promised I'm staying here. And that's why they're strangers and exiles. That's what it is to live awaiting this promise, not receiving it, but investing in and trusting this is where my hope is. Well, I'm learning today that I will not be preaching with a tablet anymore. They had the opportunity to head back. They're strangers and aliens. We live in a land that has no hope. We live in the midst of people who no longer have a hope. I probably don't have to say that that much because you all know people who the anxiety of the future is overwhelming, who think about what's coming in the next week, month, year, and there's nothing that brings joy 10, 15 years ago, Disney World redid their Tomorrowland. If you've been there, you've been to Tomorrowland. I don't know. It, it used to be kind of our hope and our vision of what the future would be. And it was like old school sci-fi. If you watch old sci-fi, they imagined what 2020 would be. And now we're all mad because we don't have flying cars and robots who cook our meals. Right. We imagined an incredible, wonderful future. We imagined a galactic federation where people got along and war had ended and peace was there. We had all these visions of what the future would bring. 
what we kind of realized is they, they really couldn't imagine a really good, positive future anymore. So they remade Tomorrowland to be a retro 50s sci-fi park. We've lost our capacity to dream about a good future. That's just throughout our culture. It seems like if there is anything futuristic, it's dystopian. We've spent all of our creativity because we can't imagine anything, so we just keep bringing old, poor old Harrison Ford out to play another 80s character once more. I mean, we can't even think of a new story. We just keep doing old 80s things redone because our hope is dead. Our vision of a good future, a positive future, of something to wish for and long for is dead. That's why every indicator of depression, substance abuse, every indication of hopelessness is on the rise here. It's why life expectancy is actually declining because people are so hopeless. Lifestyles are destructive and full of despair. And we all know this because we all face it. We're all touched by it. And so what do we do? We, we generate more and more noise to keep us from thinking about anything. If we can just kind of have fun right now and be entertained, if we can binge watch a little bit more on Netflix, if we can just do something to kind of keep myself from thinking. I was thinking of this, of we're terrified of thinking because if we reflect, it lets our anxiety out, right? So now you can't go anywhere without something playing in the background, some music, something to cover up a soul's cry of despair. I can't go to a gas station without the gas pump screaming ads at me and stupid trivia about Kardashians. I just want a moment of silence. We're in a world that we're constantly distracting ourselves from something because if, if there's enough of that noise that goes down, the constant soundtrack of anxiety comes out in our lives. We are in a place that is without hope. We are strangers and exiles because we are a people with hope. But the constant temptation for us is, is to look at those distractions and the entertainment and the things that give a moment of pleasure to drown out despair and to say, that's where it's at. We're, we're like the ones who don't see the city, that don't see the promise coming. They, they haven't fulfilled it. And we're, we're saying, I, I look there and I, I, I'm trusting in Jesus, but my life is much of a wreck as anybody else. I'm still dealing with difficulties. I'm, I'm still facing things and I'm not sure I see the fulfillment of the promise. And so our temptation is to turn away and to go back to that land. That land is without hope. And you are a people with a hope. You are a people with a hope of the city that is heavenly, of a greater promise than what, is here, what we see before us. We, we're told that it is a better country, a heavenly one. He is our God. He's prepared for us a city this is our hope, is that we are longing for a better country. And we know it's going to come because the one who promised is faithful. So now we live with hope in a world with no other hope. We, we live trusting in one, in the midst of people who 
need this hope, and we share this hope with them not turning back to um, where we came from. Two ways looking at those passages from Genesis that we might work this out in our life because there's a temptation for us to turn. Well, first, let me, let me give two examples away. This might reveal itself. One, one is that we look back at the world and the ways of the world and we import them into the church. So we take the name Christian, but I still look at people as ways to use to make me happy rather than brothers and sisters to love and to serve for their own sake. That, that I, I see somebody as someone who's a means to the ends of my happiness rather than something else. Or I, I kind of keep this attitude of my pleasure and my happiness is what is the main thing. I probably beat that dead horse to death. So, Y'all play with that metaphor for a minute. Let me move on to the next one. The other thing is we fall away. And this is the great danger. We, we all know folks who've, who've been part of the faith, who've been part of the community, active, and eventually fall away. And it happens one simple decision at a time. I do something I know I shouldn't do. Really hard to pray after that. I do take that a little step further. Really hard to be part of a community of believers with a lie in your life. I, I, I just slowly someone falls away, gone more and more, and then find some reason to blame others. Never say, you know, I've fallen away. It's somebody didn't speak to me in the grocery store. Or I never believed that to begin with. Those are our temptations to, to go back. And the way we avoid is we, we hope. We live in this hope and we, we invest in this hope. There's two things that I want us to see from that passage, those passages in Genesis. Um, they, they expose to us where our hope is, but also they show us how we live out this hope. The first is... Are we investing in the city that is to come? Are we invested that country, that is that better country? Abraham invested with his time, his energy, his resources, his imagination, his finances. You know, if, if we were to take our average week, if we were to take our budget, where would it say we have our hope? Is our hope in entertainment and pleasure and those things, or is our hope in the coming kingdom? Are we investing in that kingdom? Are we spending time in that kingdom? Are we daydreaming about what the good of the kingdom looks like in our life? Are we back in that old country and seeking our own pleasure, our own entertainment, something to dull the noise? And so we invest with all that we are in this better country, this coming kingdom. And the other is what Abraham was doing with Isaac are we making sure there's a future? My son is not going to go back there. Are we making sure that our children, our grandchildren, those we have influence on and other around us that we can share the gospel with, are we giving them that hope? Are we doing what we can to make sure they're out of that land and seeking a better country with us? Are we looking in such a way that we're, we're trying to, any influence we can have on others, to have and share this hope? We do this, we do it all, not just mustering up our will, but knowing that the one in whom we hope 
gave himself fully to purchase this better country. He gave himself completely so that all who come to him in faith might have it, and it is certain. Therefore, we have a hope of a kingdom that is to come. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine, be honor and glory and power forever. Amen. Would you please stand as we, we state our hope through the Apostles' Creed?